Hello. Are we nearly there yet? Are we nearly there yet? That's our question for today. Welcome to St John's Church. My name's Nigel. I'm part of the preaching and worship leading team. And uh, you join us as we continue our sermon series today in Mark's Gospel. We've reached Mark chapter 10 and we'll read from there in a few moments. Some three or four years ago, my wife and I, Ronnie, and a couple of friends were on holiday in the Lake District. And on the very first day of that holiday, I had a fall which resulted in me breaking my nose for the second time in my life. Breaking your nose is not a lot of fun. It ruins your youthful good looks, assuming you ever had any. Somebody was kind enough to call an ambulance, which I thought was going to take a long time coming because we were miles from anywhere. But eventually the ambulance came and soon I was on my way to hospital to be patched up. I discovered that day that riding in an ambulance is a very uncomfortable thing to do. So one of the few laughs we had that day was after some time in the ambulance, I said to the paramedic who was looking after me, I said, I'd like to ask you a question that my children used to ask me. And he said, uh, oh, yes, what's that? And I said, are we nearly there yet? And fortunately, he was able to reassure me that we were nearly at the hospital. And it wasn't long before I was being patched up and put back together again. Are we nearly there yet? Today in our reading, we meet a man for whom that is his question, or it's one way of expressing it. He wonders if he is nearly there yet. And as we listen to his story and ask his questions, we might find that we are challenged ourselves about whether we are nearly there as well. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 10, and we'll read from verses 17 to 31. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around at his disciples and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, 
With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last First, let's take a moment to pray together. Father God, we come this morning as followers or would-be followers of your son, Jesus. We want to know what may be necessary for us to follow Jesus more closely. Please speak to us this morning, we pray. In his name. Amen. Amen. A man comes to Jesus and we're going to look at his approach to Jesus, his question, his problem and his relationship. Let's start with the man's approach to Jesus. The man approaches Jesus with a question. As I say, we'll come to the question in a moment. But he says to him, good teacher. And Jesus responds, why do you call me good? Why did this man call him good? To be honest, we don't know exactly. Perhaps he had heard Jesus speaking and teaching on other occasions. Perhaps this man had seen Jesus perform miracles, maybe witnessed a healing of some kind. Perhaps He had witnessed as he watched Jesus, Jesus' compassion for the poor and the downtrodden and the outcast in society. We don't know why he called him good, but he comes to Jesus and says, good teacher. And Jesus perhaps surprisingly responds with, no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. Is Jesus, as some have claimed, here denying his divinity? Well, no, he isn't. Jesus makes many claims to divinity. He says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to God the Father except by me. He claims authority over the supply of bread, as we saw a couple of weeks ago. He exercises authority over nature when he calms the storm on the lake. He claims the authority to forgive sins when the man is lowered through the roof to where he is. Jesus, we will discover, raises the dead. Jesus does many things that indicate his divinity. In fact, in this very chapter that we're looking at, Mark chapter 10, we discover a claim of Jesus to divinity. We haven't got time to look at it in detail now, partly because I would be treading on the toes of one or two preachers who follow me in the next part of the series. But notice this. Jesus does not say, do not call me good because only God is good. 
He doesn't say, stop calling me good, or I am not good. He simply asks the question, why do you call me good? And I believe that Jesus is giving this man the opportunity to affirm that Jesus is not just good, but Jesus is God. Just as Simon Peter did a week or two ago when we looked at Peter's confession of who Jesus is. Jesus had said to his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. This man has come a long way. He is nearly there. He has recognised the goodness of Jesus. But he hasn't yet quite taken the step of recognising Jesus as God. What about us? What about you and me? Are we nearly there yet? Or have, in fact, we arrived? How do we answer the question, who do you say that I, Jesus, am? Is Jesus to us simply a good moral teacher? An option which C.S. Lewis once pointed out, Jesus didn't leave open to us. Because if he's just a good moral teacher, then he is a nobody. But is he not also God? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Now we come to look at the man's question. The man's question. The man asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? We'll come back to the obvious flaw in this question in just a moment. You did notice it, I take it. This man actually recognises that he is not there yet, so far. You see, he is not sure of his eternal destiny. He wants to know what he must do to be sure of inheriting eternal life. And Jesus plays along with him. He tells him what it is he must do. He says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honour your father and mother. If you stop and think about it, it's kind of a curious choice of commandments, the Ten Commandments that Jesus quotes to the man. He quotes commandments number five, six, seven, eight and nine. But not in that order. He quotes six, seven, eight and nine. And you might expect him to have five, have Commandment 10 in there, but in fact he goes back to commandment number 5. Why does Jesus miss out commandment 10? The command to do not covet, because this man is a rich man. And as a rich man, he has never coveted anything in his life. He has no need to. He has kept these commandments as best as he can. He says to Jesus, all these commands I have kept since my youth. And we're told that Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. What for? What did Jesus love him for? For 
effort, for honesty, for his real desire to please God, for perseverance at keeping on, keeping the commandments throughout his life. And yet, this man is asking, am I nearly there yet? Am I nearly there yet? And Jesus says to him, yes, you are nearly there. In fact, there is just one thing that you lack. One thing that you lack, one thing that is missing. Jesus says to him, you see, keeping the commandments is not enough. You need this as well. I wonder if we have found Jesus to be good. I wonder if we have found that Jesus is even God. Do we desire to live a holy life, to do the right things? Probably many of us do. But could we, indeed have we, stopped and asked ourselves, am I nearly there yet? Could there be perhaps just one thing, just one thing that gets in the way of my Christian life? We've looked at the man's approach to Jesus. We've looked at his question. We look now at his problem. The man's problem is that he lacks just one thing. But the root of his problem is this man's issue with money. Jesus says to him, go and sell everything you have and come and follow me. And the man goes away sad because he is very rich. This man has a need. He recognises that he has a need. He wants to be sure of his eternal destiny. So the man comes to Jesus. He asks Jesus a question and he gets an answer. But he cannot accept that answer. He is only nearly there. I don't know if you've realised that we've met this man before. Not quite in this guise. A few weeks ago, we were going through the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. And we were told on that occasion that a man went out to sow and he sowed his seed in good field. And that good seed in good ground brought forth a good crop. But some of that seed fell along the path where the birds came and ate it up. And some of that seed fell in the rocky places where it had no root and didn't bring out any harvest. And some of that seed fell among the weeds and the weeds choked it and it produced nothing. And there, right there's our man in our story. Jesus is sowing good seed into his life. He may have heard much of it before. But the truth of the matter is that the weeds of this life, in this case the man's wealth, is choking what the word of God is trying to do in his life. The man's problem is money. 
But you say, but that's not my problem. I'm not rich. I may not even have a job or I'm poorly paid. I don't have any savings or inheritance. Being rich is not my problem. But I wonder how many of us are rich in other ways. We're rich in available time that we might use for good causes. We're rich in skills that we could use to help people with. We perhaps have some social status or position. Perhaps we have some intelligence that can work for other people. We have contacts. But what is it that we have that gets in the way of our relationship with Jesus? Is there just one thing that we lack that means that we're only nearly there so far? Which brings us from the man's approach and the man's question and the man's problem to the man's relationship. The man's relationship. We said we'd return to the obvious flaw in his question to Jesus. You did spot the obvious flaw, didn't you? The man's question was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He is asking about what you have to do in order to inherit. But all of us know when we think about it, that we don't do anything to inherit. We don't inherit based on action. We inherit based on relationship. Some of you know that I have a small astronomical telescope that I use from time to time. And I bought the telescope with a small inheritance I got from my father. What did I do to earn that inheritance? Well, nothing at all. I inherited from my father because I am his son. That's all that it amounted to. And this man comes and he asks Jesus, what shall I do? And after telling him about the commandments, Jesus gives him the answer of what he must do. He says, come and follow me. What this man must do is to build a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus initiates the relationship. He gives him the invitation. He says to him, come, come, you're welcome. Come and follow me. How might we, you and I, do that? Well, the first thing to do is to accept the invitation. Accept the invitation and follow Jesus and begin to learn from him to try to do the things that he does, including taking care of the poor and the needy. Is it possible that the thing that gets in our way of following Jesus, whether that's money like this man or other things that we've mentioned, could it be that the thing that gets in the way of us following Jesus faithfully, if we keep it to ourselves, might be the very thing that builds our relationship with Jesus if we give it away. If we give it away. In 
Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, verses 31 onwards, we find Jesus again talking about this kind of thing. He gives an invitation. He says to those gathered in front of him, he says, come, come, you who are blessed of my father. Come, because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was poor, you gave to me. When you did these things for these people, you did it for me, Jesus. Jesus says to the disciples that it's hard for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Not just rich in money, but maybe rich in other ways. And the disciples say, we've left everything for you. We've left everything and follow you. The disciples are asking, is it worth it? Richard, last week, talked about the children coming to Jesus and trusting him like dependence to their father God. And if we come as dependents on our Father God, we will receive the promised blessing. Jesus says it will be a hundred times worth it. All our needs will be met, along with persecutions and the point of the story we've been following and eternal life. Are we nearly there yet? Is there anything, just one thing perhaps, that gets in the way of us following Jesus, if we keep it to ourselves? Could it be the very thing that will help build our relationship with Jesus when we use it for the benefit of those who need it for others? Are we nearly there yet? And Jesus says, yes. We are nearly there. Our job is to accept his invitation to come and follow him and have eternal life. Because he loves us and he wants us to love those that we live among as well. Let's pause for a short prayer. Lord Jesus Thank you for your invitation to come and follow you. Please make clear to us what, if anything, stands in the way of following you more closely today. May your word to us not be stolen away before it takes root. May it not be failed to take root in a hard heart. May it not be choked in other priorities in our lives. But may it bear fruit to eternal life. Amen.